0: If you want to increase your chances of succeeding as a photographer, you have to dedicate yourself to a process that is thoughtful and patient. The conscious choice to become a better photographer has led me on a path where I have learned about who I am and how I see the world. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio.
1: And this is Ward.
0: And welcome to episode 165 for the middle of August.
1: Middle of August. You got it right. I just said this
0: two seconds ago, and I'm like, I can't (laughs) even think of what. It's the middle of August, right? It's the middle of August, yes, sir. Yeah. And you can hear Opie uh, talking in the background somewhere.
1: He disappeared he's our unofficial co-host
0: an uh, uh, unofficial co-host mascot
1: okay yeah
0: he, I, I left the door open and he came in and he started talking uh so how you been busy
1: i've been very busy at work yes yes sir uh, yeah. crazy
0: i'm sorry to hear that that's uh, real work right like job 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 work. job not, yeah. not photography work right nope no well uh, I quit my job last oh, week. Wow. Yeah. 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 Long story, I won't get into it. You're walking um, the earth now, though,
1: right? With your camera uh, in your hand. Like a bum. <laughs> like,
0: was, yeah. that from, was, that, was that from, uh, that was from, uh, Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. I'm going to walk the earth. Like uh, like Cain uh, in, in uh, Kongsu. So that Suu. means you're going to be a bum. Yeah. yeah. I was like no i'm not gonna be a bum well I, I haven't shaved so i do feel like a bum a little bit i gotta decided to look like a grizzled captain from a whaling town which is where i went this past week i went up to uh uh the couple of days after i left my job uh i went up into hudson new york to take some pictures and sort of rediscover what photography is like but uh yeah, I left the job because I was working at B and H. Did I tell people this? Yep. I yep. can't remember. Last I did show, you said the last the show a big the, the sorry, big reveal. B&H. Yeah, the big reveal. Yeah, did I say I was leaving the job then? I must have because it's only yeah, a couple of you weeks. Did. Yeah, yep. I must have said that. Yeah, so I did leave the job. I left on good terms with them, um, and it wasn't like there was it was a great job. It wasn't anything that they were doing wrong. It wasn't you know great place to go. I'd have been. Uh, um, using my employee discount up until the last day of course buying stuff and uh what was happening was it could have been any job it was the job was like i said interfering Ugh, that's right that's not the right word i don't want to make it sound like i'm a victim of this i, I don't know how to say it other than just getting the spending time at work getting in the way of me trying to integrate the death of elizabeth into my life and mm-hmm. and needing to, you know, there's a lot of practical stuff I got to do, mm-hmm. spend time, uh, paperwork and cleaning up the house and just, you know, I'm not cleaning out everything, but there's all this stuff I wasn't really aware of that, that having a nine to five, 10 to seven job was just stopping me from doing, uh, or at least getting done. So, you know, I'm in the position now I don't have to work, and it was a gift that Elizabeth gave me, and so I, I left. And the first thing I did was get an Airbnb in Hudson, New York, and just drove up there and uh, put on my Walker Evan shoes, my Walker, we said the Evan-esque, your your, your word is phrases. the Evan-esque. Contemplation. Contemplation. Yeah, this yes. was Evan-esque Contemplation 2.0, uh, and uh, walked around the town. And I found, I found that it really helped. And especially coming back yesterday, and we needed to record the show mm-hmm. today, uh, I felt more um, sort of present and centered uh, than I have been in a, in a in a little while. So mm-hmm. it's the first steps to to um, working this new chapter of my life into whatever I'm doing now. So cool. I'm grateful that I had that experience. Yeah. So yeah, enough about me. But today's show, we have a really exciting guest.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the Godfathers of photography podcasting.
0: Yeah, well,
1: who is it? You, oh, you're, you're asking getting, me. I'm Iberian,
0: asking you. I, I've been talking so much. You, you, you
1: X Parello, man, the man, yeah. the man, the man, and the man from the
0: Candid Frame podcast. Yeah, uh, amongst other things, and in all of his books. Yeah, he he. Uh, agreed to join us this saturday morning and uh we had a very nice talk half a very nice talk coming up i should say that we're recording yeah. this intro after the talk
1: yeah just, time shifting yeah. that's what we time do.
0: shifting yeah it's stuck in time as yeah. we are yeah. usually so yeah. yeah um why don't you guys uh, put on your headphones get comfortable in the next uh hour listen to the great voice of Barianex, Baryon X yep. on
1: Street Shots. Yeah, this one is deep and wide. Deep and wide, okay.
0: Barianex, X, thank you for joining us uh, this Saturday morning. And
2: My pleasure. The show. Thank, thanks yeah. for asking
0: me. Yeah, I've been wanting to be uh, having you on the show for a long, long time. And uh I've got a little fanboy stuff going on, here, so if I, if I <laughs> celebrity status. Um but uh no, I just get right into it. I um I really enjoy listening to your show. Um and uh the 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 constant interviews with photographers sort of inspired me to do this show as well. Um so I wanna thank you for Oh good. That's good to hear. That. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to actually get right into it. You, uh, one of the things you talked about, I've read your books, um, many of them. And one of the things you talked about uh, in Before You Start Photography, going out is uh, you do meditation and mm-hmm. going out with intention. In, in intention. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. I mean, uh, it's early morning. Have you meditated yet?
2: <laughs> you know, today I actually didn't. Um, oh. My my dog woke me up <laughs> earlier than normal because she knows my routine. So it's like like five thirty. I get up, and then that's her time. She knows to get up too, and she goes into the yard, mm-hmm. and then I kind of do my like, you know, the meditation, uh, and and then give her a, uh, a walk. But she, for some reason, I guess my, I guess we didn't let her out. Before we all went to bed, so she woke me up at three thirty, which just threw me completely off. And Mm. I did. I kind of went back to bed, and then I wasn't able to go back to sleep. And then I went into the the family room and I turned on the television, and I was just like YouTube, you know. (laughs) And then finally, I was like, "Oh, I better get out. I better get up and walk the dog because it's about." in the 90s out here, mm-hmm. yeah. and usually I walk her around 6, 6.30, because it's, and but I, I got up like at 7.30, and it was already getting warm. Oh. Uh, so okay. I got back, and then it was just like, so I'm blaming my dog. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you meditate every day? You try to, yeah. No matter yeah. what, yeah. You find that important to, to oh, just yeah. make it, yeah. I,
2: I tell people, I roll out of bed crazy. You do? Yeah. Yeah, my head's always spinning. It's always been spinning. So um, kind of having like a normal routine, you know, I usually exercise, that's usually the first thing I do like right out of bed. I either get on the exercise bike or I do a, a routine, um, you know, some um, strength training exercise or some stretching and things like that. So I like the just the fact that I get a bunch of stuff done that I know that mm-hmm. I need to get done each day. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. sort of the meditation is sort of the thing that I do right before I kind of wrap things up in the morning before I go to work. And uh and, and come or come down here to the, the office to do the same. I, it's 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 been incredibly helpful just to, you know, minimize the minimize the noise.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's noisy. You spend There's most a... of the days with a lot of noise. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Especially in the past couple of years, I think even <laughs> with lockdown, or you know, oh yeah, it seemed very noisy, even even if it was still. But that was my experience.
2: Yeah, and you know, I, and I've got some some stuff that I've talked about on the on the show in terms of ADHD and and you know, major depressive disorder, which all sort of contributes to this kind of nervous anxiety sort of it's like a, a a violin string that's constantly vibrating. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like I need to be able to sort of temper that so that I can focus on the next thing that I need to do. Otherwise I'll just like, I'll be all over the place Mm -hmm. and, and and not get a whole lot done. So it's important for me to sort of kind of reset, especially if I'm going to go out and, and, and make photographs, because I really want that's another meditative practice for me is making going out and making photographs because I have to be centered, and I right, have to be the, present and do well. it effectively. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. You talked about um, also journaling too. Um, I can't remember if it was one of your books or one of your shows. You talked about journaling with the um, meditating and journaling as part mm-hmm. of the sort of photographic process and i just wanted to talk to you a little about journaling as well i mean i've started I, just before you came on Ward and i were talking about that i was asking him if he journaled and i said i i tried to journal and i i find i start a lot yeah and don't quite keep going and uh um just, stuff has shifted in my life a little bit i'll talk about that a little bit later but lately i started thinking you know and again reading your book again and uh, Seeing that you talked about journaling, I was like, I wonder if I should start doing that. And of course, I started thinking, what is the journaling for? Is it for me, yeah. or is it for some future person to read? Um, tell me what the motivation is for you to do journaling in regards to, f- you know, photography. Photography, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's really important for me when I when I teach uh, workshops. One of the things that I really kind of talk about a lot is this idea of being able to uh, have this kind of workflow, you know, have a methodology that you can repeat to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes you go out there and it could be hit or miss, depending on how you're feeling and a whole bunch of different variables. And I find that, that for me, the journaling helps me to understand uh, what works for me and what doesn't work for me when I'm out in the street. So if I have you know a, 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 a good day in terms of photography, if I, if I felt like, not so much that I make great pictures, but that I was in that zone mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I was like in sync with the street that I was seeing, that I was responding, that I was reacting. Understanding, okay, what was I doing? How was I feeling? What was I thinking when I was out there? And the same applies to those days when I struggled, you know, when I was having trouble being able to, you know, feel good about spending the time there. And doing that, especially early on, helped me sort of identify what stuff works for me and what doesn't work for me. And that's so like that in terms
1: help. of subject and or oh, just no. a state of mind? A state of mind. State of mind. Completely state of, completely mind. State of okay. mind. You okay. know, it's like, okay, the things that work for me, uh,
2: check out my camera. Uh, before I leave, make sure that you know the is there. Set the aperture of five point six as a starting point. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure that you know that there aren't settings from like a previous shoot, you know mm-hmm. where, the, where the ISO is set for thirty-two hundred. All that stuff I get set, you know, so the camera is is, is sort of less of of, of an issue, mm-hmm. right? And right. then it's about okay, um, wearing comfortable shoes, <laughs> having <laughs> something to eat. Um, trying to let go of anything that may have bothered me like the day before or maybe somebody who cut me off that morning or even the sort of the expectation of, okay, this is the only time I've had to shoot this month. It has to be good. Mm -hmm. Letting go of this expectation that because, you know, I only have a finite period of time that somehow I have to produce a great photograph and letting go of that expectation and instead just going out there and just enjoy the process of seeing and you know it helped me to sort of understand you know when I am my most efficient when I'm making photographs and what are the what are the things that um, hamper hamper mm-hmm. that and most mm-hmm. of that stuff had to do with what was in my head it had little to do with the subject matter or the light or anything like that I mean that inf- inf- informs the photograph. But if I'm not in that space, I'm not going to recognize some of the things mm-hmm. that I need to recognize in order to make a really good photograph. Because, you know, I can go out and make photographs that I've made before and do it again. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we all have pictures that we do well and we know that we do well and we can just repeat right, right, ourselves yeah. endlessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to stretch myself. I'm trying to make a discovery that I wouldn't otherwise or get close to it. And so that that kind of to create that kind of situation, I have to be in a certain place. And if 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 the if the if the noise is in my head and I'm listening to it and I'm letting that be the distraction, if that if that becomes the focus of the mm-hmm. hours that I spend there, I'm not gonna discover the the subtle events or or, or circumstances. That play into me making a photograph that really stretches me.
0: How did you discover that um, journaling would help you with this? I mean, is it just natural? Did someone tell you, or is it did you just figure it out yourself? I, I mean, I,
2: I always kind sort of journaled in it, you know, um, off and on. I mean, I'm doing it as a kid. I didn't do it with any sort of mm-hmm. regular basis, but I just I, I think part of it was that when I started writing writing uh, the books. Where I was talking about process, mm-hmm. that, that's really when I started to do it. So it's probably eight, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I really, in order to be able to explain what I did, I had to understand right. what right. my entire yeah. process was. Because otherwise right. I would just I would just do it. Mm-hmm. But to have to explain to somebody else how I can do what I do, it was really important for me to to not only look at the mechanics but also kind of understand well why do I respond to the world in the way that I do. And so the writing uh, became essential for for that.
0: And do you think it's a good habit for photographers to get into? Um, is it something you tell like your students stuff to do?
2: I think I tell my students to do it especially when they're sort of sort of developing. cuz mm-hmm. yeah, cuz one of the things that people struggle with, especially early on, is consistency, mm. being mm. able to go out there and produce consistent results. And it's like with anything that you do, you have to understand, well, what works? You know, if you're, right. if you're a race car driver, you know, you understand the, the car, you understand the engine, you understand the track, you know, you understand all those things, but you know, in order to perform at your top level, you have to take all that information and sort of process it Mm
0: -hmm.
2: constantly, you know, responding to the moment because you can't a race car driver can't rely on the last race in order to perform for the next one. Right. Because everything's changed, but there are certain things that are always going to be the same. And the more you understand that, whether it's something to do with the camera, that the lens you're using or your own state of mind, um, that helps you to understand when am I, when am I the most effective?
1: I love that you're using the racing analogy because I'm a big <laughs> racing fan. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, I'm like right in there. Um, so th- that really, t- to me, uh, uh, that's a great way to put it because I I don't, I haven't really verbalized to the extent that you have about having the state of mind. That's why, why I asked the question before. Um, and when I think of it, that's the most, that's the key component to the, the, the kernel of the creativity. Like, where do you come from as you walk out, you know, Ralph Gibson's point of departure, right? Mm, yeah. You're going out, you know, wh- you don't just go out and stand by the drugstore and hope something happens. You need to have, you need to have that central kernel of what you're going to do that day. And it makes it so much easier. You're actually in a flow in the state of flow when Absolutely, you're shooting. Yeah. And that is the best. Uh, And I think, uh, I think that resonates with me for sure. Because for me, the, the ultimate goal, what, let me, the,
2: the goal for each day is not so much to make a great photograph. Mm -hmm. The goal is to make at least one photograph that even if it's not completely successful, hints at something that I've not done before, right? That I can look at that picture and go, oh, man, oh, that's that looks really interesting. <laughs> yeah, And I'll, I'll see there's things, you know, and there may be something in the background, the focus was off, so, you know, whatever whatever it is. But I look at that picture and I go, oh, man, that's really interesting. And then the goal is to kind of revisit that, to see, like, for example, uh, creating layered compositions, you know. Mm-hmm. not Not mm-hmm. just that you have someone walking past a mural, right? But for me, when I'm doing stuff on the street, I'm the thing I'm trying to do is, I used to. Let me go back. I used to, I honed my compositional skills by becoming a minimalist. You know, by paring things down, taking things out, mm-hmm. and I I got to be really good at that. And then I started thinking, okay, how much can I add to this frame before it completely falls apart? Mm-hmm. And that requires a real. A, you have to have such intense focus. Especially if you're trying to include, you know, multiple figures in the frame and and all this stuff, because you're having to sort of anticipate how that's going to happen. Because I'll find a, a scene where I think the background's interesting. There's some fixed elements in the foreground. The light's really good, and I kind of know well if I had someone moving there, that would add something there. But if I got someone coming coming from the left, and so I you kind of. Kind of read the scene, trying to figure out how could this improve, right? And then it's just like looking and seeing as people are moving in and out of the scene and sort of gauging timing and all that other stuff and when you press the button. So when all that stuff comes together, you can make the attempts to make it succeed. And when I'm doing that, uh, it's it, a lot of those are, are, are less than successful. Because oh, the timing oh. is off, right. either the timing of the people moving in relationship with to each, to each other, or just the timing of me pressing the shutter release button. I'm just off by a, you know, a quarter of a second or something like that. But I wouldn't be able to do that if I was preoccupied with a bunch of stuff that has nothing right. to do with my mindset or what I'm doing. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, I wanted to. Um, Go ahead and and start into saying, well, first I wanted to give you condolences to the recent passing of your mother-in-law. Oh, thank you. Um, I saw that pop up on Twitter, I believe. Um, It was like last month, I believe? Yeah, yeah, it's been about a month, yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, some show or one of the shows you had mentioned that you were doing a personal project uh, with
2: her, Mm -hmm.
0: a photographic. Um, I'm wondering if you'd want to share... Uh, sort of your experience and what's going on with that and what happened and...
2: Yeah, um, um, about two and a half years ago, we realized that my mother-in-law couldn't live by herself. She lived in the house for she had raised my wife and her sisters. And so she moved in with, with us. So we, my, I, our second bedroom was my office, so we mm-hmm. converted this garage into my workspace and we moved in, and she moved in, and we started sort of taking care of her. She was in her early 80s, um, 85, something like that, when she moved in with us. And so it was it was a real sort of challenging time because, you know, anyone who has had an elderly parent with a variety of different health issues, it mm-hmm. really, it just, it yeah. changes everything, right? And um, there was just a lot of, Learning in terms of, okay, how do we sort of deal with this? How do we make this a part of our lives? How do we keep it from sort of interrupting the, the things that are ours? Because initially, we were completely focused with her. We're trying to get mm-hmm. things right and not make sure we didn't screw things up. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I'm walking into the house. The garage, the office is downstairs. I walk upstairs uh, into the kitchen. And my wife is, has is washing my mother-in-law's hair. And I look at that and I go, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And I grab my camera and I, I make a photograph of that. And then it was like this bell went off oh. that, oh, I should probably be photographing this. Because I, I, I came to the understanding that for my wife and for my my sister-in-law, who at the beginning of COVID ended up moving in with us as well, that they were dealing with how to take care of their mother, and deal with health issues, deal with insurance, deal with hospital, deal with medication, and it was work, and there was a lot of sort of self-doubt and tensions that mm-hmm. were around. But I realized at the same, I realized it sort of at the same time, that there was a lot of love and affection being shared. And I thought, I need to make photographs of this so that when my mother-in-law passes and, and they're over the grief of losing her, they'll be able to look at these photographs and realize what that time actually was.
0: Was that going through your head when you, because you just said that you saw the the your, your um, mother-in-law's hair being washed, and you said you should make pictures. Was that what you were thinking? About when you say you should, because should is a, I don't know. I always think when someone says that the tyranny of the shoulds, you know, yeah, you should do this, you should do that. What was was what you're yeah. thinking now in your mind when you say I should take a picture of this? Or like, did you already flash forward and say I need to record this because of you know something?
2: Yeah, I think it was pretty clear to me because when I made the photographs and I went and downloaded them on the computer and looked at them, I realized what was happening because I was sort of in the same mind space as them in terms of adjusting to taking care of uh, of an elderly parent. I was in, I was caught up in that routine, but the, mm-hmm. that picture helped pull me back and realize that there was. Um, What it really was about was about the relationship that we all had with faith. And Mm. so the pictures just came out as as a natural result of wanting to not just sort of document the moment, but to honor the moment. Because I wasn't photographing her all the time. It wasn't like I was on an assignment or anything, but I always had cameras around. And when I would see something that I thought that was particularly telling about her life with us, Mm -hmm. I would make a couple of photographs and then Mm -hmm. put the camera down and then I would just, you know, do whatever I would need to do. If I was going to take her to a doctor's appointment, she had uh, issues with her knees where she needed to get these injections. I think it was cortisone injections Mm -hmm. in order to decrease the pain. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of went. Took her to the doctor and I made I made pictures. I didn't ask permission. If I was in there and the doctor was like getting the needle ready and all that other stuff. I was just like not. You didn't ask permission? No. What do you mean? Like, yeah. I didn't ask the doctor, can I make pictures? Well, I what ask, about your mother in law?
0: What about her? How did she feel?
2: I, she was she always was aware of the camera. Yeah. And if at any point she had told me don't, don't make my picture, I would have not made the picture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but she we me and my wife have been married going on 30 31 years and so my my mother-in-law was sort of used to being the subject of mm. my pictures so she was sort of accustomed to it and at this time there wasn't so much vanity about me making the, the photograph when she was like not ideally coiffed i think she she trusted me as yeah. did yeah. as did yeah. her her kids and so I, I kind of honored that there was like there was one time um, we had to call nine one one because she had she got really loopy and there was just we knew something was wrong. Eventually, we discovered it was just a bad urinary tract infection. Mm, okay. So she was in the kitchen at the kitchen table, and I was trying to keep her focused and the, you know, the paramedics and the, and the fire firemen came in and there were about probably four or five of those people in the kitchen taking care of her. And, you know, I, and I made the choice not to make that photograph. And I wrestled with it for a while because I felt like, wow, this is like, this is mm-hmm. really a dramatic sort of moment. But it was like, I, I, I didn't make it because it wasn't part of what I was doing you know right. if if I was documenting someone else's family with the purpose of telling a more complete story yes I would have made that photograph but it wasn't it, it wasn't necessary for what what my goal was for the project so what was more important is there to be there for, for her and for my wife who was like a real panic in that right, time because right. that was the yeah. first time we'd ever had to call 911 um, yeah. to help so I didn't think it was appropriate for me to to make the photographs but i also knew that i really didn't need it
0: yeah i was i was asking about this personal project because um i hear about photographers doing personal projects like this or spending times with families when they're going through hard times and following them over years and Mm -hmm. over the course of a sickness and something like that and and I always think, like, would that be something I could do? You know, would I want to do it? And uh, how could I approach it? And, um, you know, recently my wife passed uh, in June of ovarian cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. uh, Mm. um, Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, it was a two year battle. um, And part of me thought, like, do I want to record this photographically? And she didn't like to be, she didn't like to have her photographs Mm -hmm. taken. So, you know, part of that was an, was an honor, uh, like honoring her wishes not yeah. to do that. But every now and then, you know, we were in chemo session or something like that. And I would take our picture while she was in the chair and i I have a whole selection of pictures. I don't share those with anybody, but I was thinking like, is, would this have been an opportunity? Could I have done it? I don't think I have the chops and it's not the right word, but you know, yeah. um, it's like I'm more in that mindset that you were in with the paramedics there. It's like, I don't that's you know the time I can take a picture but that was more often for me like I don't think this is the time I could take the picture so I was just really wanted to you know sort of get into your mindset about this this project and like what, what, what would be your plans with the photos is it just for personal is it something do you want to show the world I mean
2: I've I've shared it when I've done uh, workshops or presentation I've shown a select number of the images Particularly, uh, there was a class that I was teaching through Nemeche Creative where I would, uh, I think it was a six-week online course, and it was about people using their own lives because this was during COVID, so a lot of people were, you know, in their homes, so they didn't have the kind of subject matter. So mm-hmm. I said, well, this is a really interesting and unique time in your life, in your family's life. Uh, use that and make make pictures of that that reflect where you are right now because i because in doing the, the project, I realized that I had not documented my own life very well. Um, Other than this house, I never photographed uh, my apartments that I had lived in or anything like that. It was like I just existed in those spaces, and I remember them in my head, but I never took mm-hmm. the time to make a photograph of them. Mm. And uh, I was encouraging the students to say, look, this space that you're in right now, this time, this home, the relationships you're in that right now, they're going to change. And the best thing about it is you have access. You can pick up the camera at any point. You don't have to get someone else's permission. You don't have to travel anywhere. You don't have to spend a bunch of money to, to create the circumstances to make the photograph. It's like, just pick up the camera and start looking at your own space, your own life, your own relationships, as if you were photographing someone else's world. Mm -hmm. And regardless of the skill level or the experience level that the students who took the class with, without exception, they would have these breakthroughs where they would make these really amazing photographs that were incredibly intimate and it would create an image, they would create an image that when the group would see it, you would hear them go, ooh.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You, they would physically, they, yeah. they would have a mm-hmm. physical reaction to the image and it wasn't like, "Oh, that's a good picture. They were like, oh, that. Mm, yeah. And yeah. it wasn't about the camera being, the, the that the composition was perfect and the light was perfect, all the things that we kind of f- photography dweebs fixate on. <laughs> it, yeah. it was just like, wow. That is, it's real, it's genuine. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so that's, that I think is something that is available to any photographer who chooses to do it. Like for you, even, you know, you didn't photograph, you know, your wife while she was undergoing treatment for, you know, for cancer, but your life after she passed is just as substantive in terms of what's happening to you, and the opportunities it gives you to make photographs.
0: Yeah, I'm right? and just at that point now, you know, I just, mm-hmm. uh, um, I was working at uh, B&H Photo, of all places. Oh, okay. Uh, and <laughs> just, I was doing their online chat and uh, email, and uh, after she died, I found that the job is, it was uh, sort of interfering, and it's not the job, specifically like it's not a bad job it's just a job is interfering with the ability to sort of heal and process and integrate Mm. her death into my life um so i actually left uh my last day was a week ago yesterday uh this was my first week without work um but i just went uh, on a little trip to uh upstate town in new york on the hudson called hudson nice little whaling town that we've been to and walked and my intention was to, you know, meditate in the morning and uh, walk around with my camera. I like put on my, uh, as, as Ward had mentioned in an earlier show, my, what was it? My um,
1: Evans esque contemplation,
0: Evans esque (laughs) contemplation. (laughs) Walker Evans is one of my, one of my heroes and the town is very much uh, his, in his style of photography or the kind of buildings he would photograph. So I put those shoes on and walk around, but um trying to 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 figure out who i am apart from my wife in the in the two years that this whole thing was uh happening like who mm-hmm. who who am i am who am i at the other side of this you know um and i'm actually thinking about you now about this like who are you now on the other side of this um, personal um journey that you've had with your uh, with your mother-in-law Living with you, who who are you now, with the mm. with the pictures and the, um, I mean now because it's done, right? She's she's no longer here. Yeah. Um, so who are you in this respect?
2: I haven't really given it much thought because we're in the we're we're in the sort of the another phase of it, right? You know, where my mom and my 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 mom, but my, my wife and my sister-in-law are dealing with the loss because they were so busy with you know dealing with the doctors and the insurance company during the last couple of months of my mother in law's life and then making the arrangements, this has been the first week where they haven't had to deal had to do any of that work. Mm-hmm. So they're just having to live with the fact that she's not there now. So for me it's it's largely being supportive of them as 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 much as I can, and allowing my own experience of losing my own dad eight years ago to sort of kind of inform what I can do and um, do for them.
0: Are you still taking pictures as part of this? No process. No. no? Yeah, or I think really? I may.
2: Yeah, I think I may. Because this s-
0: sounds like an important part. I mean, like the just as you're saying this, I'm thinking because I understand this too. I'm going through the same stuff, and like the relief. There's some sense of relief. There's an afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's still part of the story, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's I still think part of this.
2: I'm I'm thinking that at some point, when they make the choice to begin clearing out some of Faithy's things, mm-hmm. um, in the room, I'll 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 make some photographs of of that. Um, when we, re- I maybe I made some I made photographs at, at the funeral, but I don't imagine that I would include that. Um, in any sort of finished product because I'm, I'm imagining what I'm going to do is sit down and edit the images and produce a, a, a book that um, I will share with family her, uh, mm-hmm. so it will go to have a copy for my wife and my sister-in-law but also her family uh, in other parts of the, the country because Faithy was the uh, one of nine children and she was the last she was the last of those nine kids to to pass away and so i think i would like to make a book and then ship them out to those family members who who kind of knew her um just as a way of 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 remembering her um Hmm. but uh you know i'll likely share those images when i'm talking about making these kind of pictures in, in workshops or in classes but beyond that I don't I don't imagine that I would do anything much bigger mm-hmm. than that but mm-hmm. it's what it did change for me was that I I realized how important it was to make pictures genuine pictures like that I love street photography and it's you know I just that'll never sort of go away mm. but I, I, I want to make photographs that feel the way that these photographs felt.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. As you're saying that. Um, I'm thinking the exact same thing as right now. I didn't do a lot of the kind of pictures that you you did w- with my wife. I didn't get that kind of intimate photography. But, you know, I'm going through, like, you know, finding pictures like this, like this Polaroid that we took, you know. Mm-hmm. Couple of years ago, when I got this Polaroid camera, and you know, this is an an actual artifact. And, and you, I want to hopefully I get a chance to talk to you about this on the show today. But but the fact that the light from her bounced off, you know, her and and hit this this object. Oh yeah. And,
1: oh. And I have uh-huh. this artifact. The metaphysical know. part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: but it's this is an actual, um, uh, you know, it's a snapshot. It's nothing particularly, you know, um, artful about it or something like that. It just has that, you know, snapshot in memory, but how important those moments are and even if they are snapshots or selfies or something like that, how important those moments are in the memory and, Life of the person, in this case, my wife, and in, in case your mother in law, and in anybody's cases, whoever they document, um, how important, like, how how important this thing is. Yeah. Like, this is now more important than it was when I took the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if you've had that experience, but like, oh, yeah. You, I, I, you know, you talk about those moments. These these are, are things that uh, mean so much more to us now.
2: I, I remember. Having that realization when I saw an original print of uh, Os- Oswald being assassinated by mm-hmm. Jack Ruby, mm-hmm. and I looked at that print and I realized, whoa, whoa, whoa! The light, you know, that mm-hmm. reflected off of Oswald in that moment was reflected was made on that negative, and that light, the light that passed through that negative, made this print, and I, and I, you know, that that connection was i didn't i didn't understand it completely but it it he was very aw- aw- i was awestruck by the idea that you were. there was a, there was a there was an actual physical connection between all these elements and even though there were decades or years between me looking at it and it being created um, it just seemed awesome I, I, I don't have that same experience with digital well, but, you
0: talked about the, you talked about this. By the way, you talked about this with Greg Heisler, which was a fantastic oh, yeah. episode. <laughs> the, the energy that he had, but you guys mm-hmm. talked about that, that. and and when you said that, both of you said that, and I was like, I've also thought that for years. Like mm-hmm. you know, I used to take yeah. slides, um, oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and transparencies are direct record of the light. And I only started thinking about that not when I was taking the pictures, um, uh, but now that. They're no longer here, no longer. I'm not long now. I'm recording stuff with digital, uh, it's not an actual representation. So, I started thinking that. So, when you guys said that, I was like, Oh, you guys you guys are saying the same thing that I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Oh, you're my people, you're my people. <laughs> you we know, must all be of the same generation. So, you know, it's great. I want, but, but in that regard, I, um, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you use the word magical, uh in that conversation with Greg. Um, But why do you, and this is, you know, I'm asking myself this as well, but I'll ask you because you're here. Why do you think it's important that, you know, this was, you know, reflected light? And how do we reconcile that now with digital? Because digital is no longer a recording of the event. Mm -hmm. So what would you have to say about this?
2: Man, you're going deep and I and I had, <laughs> and I haven't even had a cup of coffee. Um I think I think it's in in some way it speaks to the idea of idea of how everything is connected. Hmm. You know, we, we look at our world and there's there's so much noise about things that make us different and people, you know, dismissing or diminishing one thing and making something else superior or not valuing things or overvaluing things, you know, all that, you know, all that crap whenever you mm-hmm. oh, launch your phone or watch the news and you lose that sense of we're all part of it, you know, we're all star stuff, you know, when those, right. when they, when that, when that, um, when they got those photographs a couple of weeks ago of the universe with that new mm-hmm. uh, with the that new James Webb telescope yeah, yeah mm-hmm. with that telescope and you saw you saw the you know the, the incredible details of galaxies that are light years away and you realize that oh i'm a part of that you know the stuff that i am that makes that makes me here mm-hmm. and when i'm gone it's i'll still be a, a part of it i won't be conscious i won't be aware of it you know but i was part of it before i was born and i'll be a part of it when i'm gone and i think that 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 concept of you know the light and it, its role in creating the picture is sort of a a, just a reminder for me of of that and it's just something that i i think is it's it's much more palpable for me, just as just as a result of being being an image maker, right? Because I'm making the choice to make this thing, and that somehow that um, provides me a sense not so much of empowerment, but a sort of reaffirmation of that mm-hmm. of that idea. <laughs>
1: years for a little bit um we know you have a if you have a background in education you're certainly you're you're an adjunct professor at uh at the art center college of design and that you you talk often about your students um and the books that i read that are really instructive you know how to how to you know the the techniques you can use and the mindset you have to have in order to do shooting for the street Mm -hmm. um what is your motivation for teaching where, where did that come from? Where did that impulse, uh, where did that impulse come from? And does it feed you? I mean, aside from the creative aspect of photography, I mean, when you shoot, are, is there some part of you that's thinking, you know, I'm shooting this to maybe bring up in the class later, or, you know what I mean? You know, how does how does that how yeah. does that mix happen?
2: It it started, God, I don't even know how many years ago, maybe somewhere. 12, 15 years ago, I was going to go out and photograph downtown Los Angeles, and three photographers asked if they could come with me, and I was, and I usually photograph by myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yeah, you, you can come, and, and I just started making pictures, and at one point, I think we were out there maybe just like 30 minutes and 45 minutes, and then and they asked one of them. Asked me, "What are you looking at?" <laughs> you know, they they didn't understand what I was doing, mm. and so I just started explaining it to them. And I realized that I had sort of taken it for granted that everybody could see this, because mm. I didn't think what I was doing was very very special. But it it made me understand that that my my skills and my talent as a photographer were not something that everyone possessed. And then trying to communicate that to someone else started the whole process of of okay, how do I communicate this? Because when I was working for the magazines uh, like Outdoor Photographer and Digital Photo Pro, I was writing reviews of equipment. Um, I was writing how-to tutorials on Photoshop or something like that. It wasn't about how I was seeing anything, but when these When these fellows asked me about Do It, that started getting the gears rolling. And then I started getting asked to teach, you know, street photography workshop or something like that. And then I had to sort of figure it out. Uh Mm -hmm. I had to. uh, And that's where the sort of the writing, um, the journaling came involved because I didn't completely understand it. I just did it. And then having to sort of reverse engineer it and have an understanding, okay, what exactly what the hell am I doing? Right. So that I can communicate to someone else, so that they can take that and adopt some of it in their own. Well, it's like own your work. race
1: car, right? It's like your racing driver. You read all of the, you know, things that you know. Be careful of distracting backgrounds or the <laughs> thirds or you know whatever the different yeah. thing. Now you're actually out there, and you're like there's a truck and a guy and a shadow like <laughs> what am i supposed to do with this you know and then then the fo- the focus starts to happen and and you have a happy accident and you go oh okay okay now you know as you do it more and more you kind of pick that up but yeah um and i i know some teachers uh, uh and my sister is a teacher uh, my younger sister is a teacher um talks often about how she learns as much from the students as she does the students learning from her, and I'm wondering if if that's something that you've discovered too, um, in in your is your in your journey as a oh as a absolutely,
2: teacher. yeah. Because every time I start something, um, I suffer from really bad. Um, what is that? I just had it at the tip of my tongue. Um, the how you feel like a you're phony? What is mm-hmm. that thing called? Um, there's a word for it. Um, fraud if you're, you're fraud but there's I like a particular like there, there's a particular hmm. term for it I'll, I'll probably remember it like three in the morning um, is there let me know because i, I know that. yeah <laughs> yeah the, there's this thing that it's like oh you know who am i to right well, who am i do to like
1: imposter like syndrome explore, yeah you know? imposter oh, syndrome. okay okay okay
2: right. so i feel that every damn time I'm i go out to teach and you know i but i i I move past it, I move through it. And then when I start sharing the, when I see how the students incorporate it and make something of their own that's exceptional, I get excited. Mm -hmm. And, and, cause even like I I do a lot of two day classes. And the first time, the first day, you know, you, you can see pictures that people are making. We're sort of getting it. And the second day, you see like this almost exponential jump Mm. because something's clicked with them. And everybody in the class sees the pictures and they know which ones they are. Mm. And for me, that is incredibly sort of gratifying. It makes me realize that to some degree, I do know what the hell I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But most importantly when I see them make pictures that I go damn I wish I had made that right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm like and I and do you tell pay- them that you say oh yeah oh yeah I wish that were mine I will tell them and it's like they're makes paying feel so good right yeah, yeah they're paying me to take the workshop but I'm just as much excited by what mm-hmm. they produce because it's because I don't I don't see the way they do I don't respond yeah. to the world and they do and when they create a picture that makes me realize oh there's a different way of seeing and a different way of photographing that even i hadn't considered even though i've been photographing for right for longer
0: it, isn't that the magic of it though as you're saying that like you know people say oh i i want to or i think like i'm gonna go to the grand canyon and i want to take a picture but like a million people trillions of people have taken pictures of the grand canyon how can i do it any different well i haven't done it yet Mm-hmm. You know, in that idea with students, because I do some uh, one-day classes as well. Uh, when when I see what you're seeing, like I wish I had taken that picture. It makes me th- realize that this f- thing that we're in, photography, there's no end to this. There is no oh, we've done it all. We've seen all the pictures. It 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 it's it's an endless process, and it's always going to be new. And it's always going to be exciting, yeah. And yeah, we'll see a lot of the same pictures, and you know, people are going to copy other people. But there are going to be those nuggets, which has always been in the past and will always be in the future that can draw us to saying, "Yes, I want to see more. I want to see more." You know. And so that's really, what I'm resonating with you with that that experience. And if I do a three-hour class, because my classes are really short, and sometimes they're online and stuff like that. But when like in a three-hour class, if one person gets that one moment of like, oh, they they. You know, they listened to the the uh, presentation that I gave ahead of time, or they saw you know mm-hmm. you know um, an Ansel Adams picture, or somebody that just gave them a little hint of an idea, and you can just see that kernel of it. It's it's I don't want to say it's like a dopamine hit, but it's like yes, that's yeah what it draws me to keep to keep going because
2: that because the the importance of that moment is is really critical for me as an as instructor because it's not that i want them to have produced like seven some people go to workshop with the idea of okay i'm going to go out and i'm going to make all these wonderful photographs as a result of being with this this instructor and i'll have seven or eight great photographs it's like that's 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 the wrong way to sort of uh, uh, approach it my hope is that they'll make a photograph that they would not have made before the workshop Mm. Something that sort of represents what they're really capable of. And I want to tell them, this is a great photograph. You created it. You made all the choices. This this represents your real potential as a photographer. And your job after this workshop is over is to continue working towards that. Mm. Because if you go back, if you go to a workshop and you don't pick up a camera... Until weeks later, all you're going to do is you're going to fall back into your old habits. And you'll never come close to creating a picture like that. And you'll be reliant more on luck than anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you, you can do this. Okay? I've shown you what works for me in order to do it. Take whatever I've shared with you that works for you. Incorporate it to every time you go out and shoot, and and work towards that goal because you've already proved you're, it's possible.
0: Let me ask you this: while you bring that up, who was the person who did that t- for you, or
2: persons? You know, I don't, I don't think anything. I think I was supported more so than anything else by my parents and. My Mike Cohen, who was the counselor at the Boys Club of Hollywood, had first introduced me to photography. Mm-hmm. But there was this, this I made this picture probably within a couple of months of learning photography. And it's, uh, at the Boys Club, they would have either twice mm-hmm. a year or once a year, a a competition among the different clubs where, they would either come to our club or we would go to theirs and there was a games room where they would have a pool table, um, ping pong, bumper pool, all those things and everyone would compete. And I made a photograph of one of the kids from one of the other clubs, uh, taking a shot at the pool table. And I remember being very conscious of the composition in terms of how I framed it with his arm, you know, him leaning over the table, his intent look, at the cue ball that I purposely purposely, uh, positioned at the end of the the, the frame. The kids in the background looking at him. And I remember in that moment being completely aware of everything I was choosing to put in that frame. Mm -hmm. No one ever told me about that. But I just did it. And Mm -hmm. when I went upstairs, processed the roll, and made the print, and brought it down, I got that reaction from people. We were like, oh, wow. And it was one of the first times where I had created something that evoked such a reaction in someone else. And I realized it was very powerful. It was very uh, sort of affirming. So for me, it was that moment Mm. that I was always in the pursuit of, of making a photograph where i own the photograph and the moment and even if someone doesn't react to that that i i feel it i know what it feels like Mm -hmm. so when i feel that again it's like okay i i i know i'm doing everything right
0: that's a great memory wow
1: so we got a few minutes left i had uh, uh one more question to ask um a couple of weeks ago, I went back to my hometown and um, visited um, a homestead that I lived in when I was a teenager and it had been 40 years since I'd stepped on that property. Mm, and so wow. I came back and it's abandoned an abandoned farmhouse. And so it was a chance to reflect on, you know, how far I've come or whatever, how my life is different from when I was living there as a teenager and so on and thinking about how how the Canadian prairies were settled uh, shortly after the turn of the century, before the Second World War, after the Second World War, and thinking about the immigrant experience. And I know that I'm 100 years removed from that, um, you know, of of people coming to the country and settling and so on. And so I I have a particular experience of, uh, you know, being of kind of a German-Romanian descent, living, you know, 100 years away from the people that moved here. And I know you bring up in your... Uh, in your shows about the immigrant experience, um, and I think your uh, family's from Dominican Republic? Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I'm wondering if that, and I know we have been talking, you know, heavy conversation about your family um, uh, before, uh, earlier in the show, and I'm just wondering how, how that experience informs your creativity, or if it's just a part of you, Uh, When you're shooting, if there's things you look for or uh, communities that you uh, that you kind of uh, I don't know what you circle around or with as you're as you're working or if it's just if it's just part of you and it's not really a conscious, not very conscious thing as you're working. I think it's a conscious and an unconscious thing because I'm
2: I'm a kid of the 70s. So I grew up, I was born in New York, but I grew up in Los Angeles. So the, there wasn't, it wasn't like New York or in Miami where there's a large Dominican community where mm. you can like, you walk out, you walk out the front door of your apartment and you're hearing melengue and bachata on the streets. You're hearing people speaking, you know, the Dominican uh, uh, way of speaking Spanish you you can walk into you know every other restaurant and eat tostones or arroz con frijoles or <laughs> you know you just it's an extension of mm. the culture here I lived in South Los Angeles and there were Dominicans here but they were scattered around the city that mm. when we would get together with family or go to a party but it wasn't a regular part of it so I grew up in South LA and it was at that time it was probably sort of 50, 50 African American and, and and Latin mostly I would think Mexican and maybe some Central American at the mm-hmm. time. And I I felt that the culture that I grew up in my household was not reflected in, in my school, in my neighborhood. Um, and there was a sense of, of in, sort of invisibility and Mm -hmm. um, sort of not knowing exactly where I fit in. Mm -hmm. And I think that photography provided me the the, opportunity, provided me the gift of understanding that the way that I saw the world and experienced it and what I did with it mattered. Mm that even though I wasn't seeing it reflected in television, in the movies that I saw, it mattered. And it gave me, it gave me, um, uh, it provided me an important sense of self that I didn't, I I wasn't getting otherwise. So, so even, so even today, that informs my, my photography because some of the things that I choose to photograph or the neighborhoods that I choose to photograph in were always places that largely were left undocumented. Hmm. You know, at the time when I went, started photographing in downtown Los Angeles over 32, 33 years ago, no one was going downtown. You know, there wasn't all this gentrification and, you know, that sometimes that. I would be the only photographer out there or maybe I'd bump into one other one. Now you go out there today, huh. you know, if you don't yeah, bump yeah, if you don't bump into at least half a dozen photographers while you're out there, you know, something's something's <laughs> right. wrong. Right? But you know, the you know, for Los Angeles people go to Venice. They go to Hollywood, now they go to you know, so, you know, to downtown Los Angeles. But I, I'm inclined to make photographs in areas that where I, you're not going to see a camera. I want to go, there's a street near my mother's house. Um, it's uh, Gage. And There's also Slosson. I haven't decided which street to do it yet. But Slosson and Gage are both east-west streets. And the further east you go from where I am, you see how The Latin American community have sort of uh, transformed that area, which back in the '30s and '40s was largely made up of uh, industrial, uh, so that a lot of people, like during the war and after the war, uh, were working, Mm -hmm. and then they kind of and that stopped. But when you go there now, you'll see how all the the way that the shops are painted really reflect the sort of the Latin community in terms of those bold, saturated colors. And you'll see mm. how certain buildings have been repurposed over and over and over again. It's not like you go to the west side where things are basically wiped away and replaced with something else. Mm. Right. Right. And for me, that's that's fascinating, but it reflects the fact that this is my experience. This is my L.A. And so I want to photograph that because it's important to me. And hopefully someone else can take a look at those photographs and maybe realize that there's a Los Angeles that they've never realized was there. But more importantly, others who have lived or do live there can take a look at that and go, oh, that's my LA too. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a photographer, um, Kwame, I forget his last name. I want to say Brathwaite. I interviewed him for the show some years ago. And he does a lot of street photography, but it's not about people. It's about basically these urban landscapes. And I fell in love with his photographs because I look at all those photographs and I go, that's my L.A. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know, the liquor stores, the corner stop, churches, just all that stuff. Mm. It's just like, yep yep it's not it's not just that I recognize that particular location, but it's it's that l a that reflects the the immigrant influence
1: mm-hmm.
2: on that because other parts of town have they completely disassociate with the idea that um, immigrants are even involved at all in the development mm-hmm. of the city, right and it's all about image, you know s- supporting the the, the illusion of what the city is and can be you know um you know all that all that stuff which is you see all the time on tv shows or in movies mm-hmm. you know, there's a very s- small sliver of this city that you ever see in those in in those things and that's not my los angeles it's not even by not even close mm-hmm. so
0: it's not unique to los angeles either But oh. you know see it happening you talk about being born in you know new york having been born in new york and seeing a similar thing happening, you know, as, as things get wiped away. But when you talk about uh, the photographer, you're just saying like, Oh yeah, that's my LA. And I, I'll see a photographer. It's like, Oh yeah, that's my, that's my Manhattan and that's my Brooklyn that I grew up on. Yeah. But, but it's harder and harder to see. I mean, you know, as, as time goes on. And so I feel like, you know, we're sort of in a unique position now, all the three of us um, at a, at our age, because we crossed over from, from the time when things were like that, and how things are moving, mm-hmm. and, we're and the to influence it. of the
1: mid-century, mostly American it, photographers, street photographers, yeah. which exactly. I'm sure yeah. inform all of us big time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So it, it just keeps us, uh, it, it keeps us moving along. It keeps me sort of thinking about like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to a place like Hudson. I'm gonna record the things until you know the, 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 the kind of images of the places that I think are gonna not gonna be there. Um, in 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 the not too distant future and stuff like that. So yeah, my sister uh, lives.
2: My sister lives in the Bronx. You know? Yeah, that's where my dad so grew up, so. Yeah, yeah, so I, when I go there and visit the, the Bronx, I go, oh, okay, that's. The, when I go there, I remember what the Heights were twenty years ago, or thirty mm-hmm. years ago, because mm-hmm. the last time I went to the Heights, I didn't recognize it. <laughs> I was just like, there's like, there's there's an Irish bar here. There's a there's a gym. There's <laughs> and all the little restaurants and little fam- mom and pop stores that I was used to were gone I, I i used to walk down the street with my cousin and we would get stopped every 10 or 5th every 5 or 10 minutes because he was bumping into somebody he knew yeah
0: right yeah. and now not not anymore right no yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say about that um and i think uh um maybe we can hold this for another episode because i would love to have you back on to talk about i've got like a whole list of things i want to talk to you about including this this last part um but i uh, would uh i don't want to make this a three-hour show although i could easily make it a three-hour show
2: hey man, I, I i've enjoyed this so much any anytime you ask me we'll, f- we'll, well find the time and make it happen
0: I'm so honored that you this, that you were um giving of your time this Saturday morning. Uh that uh I I don't have words of thanks enough, but I've been so wanting to talk to you, have you on the show and uh using, you know, your show is sort of a model like the way I'd like this show to go as well. I mean, we we interview photographers um not all the time we talk about photography, but but uh I I do listen to you and how you um bring out uh um, something in a photographer uh, that is worth listening to, because the the trick of doing these shows is that we're talking about a visual art through audio. You know, yeah. there's nothing visual in this show. You know, people are listening to it while while you're walking around, and so I find that the I find that the fun challenge that we can talk about photography without having to actually see pictures.
2: Yeah, people look at me cross-eyed when I tell them I do a podcast about <laughs> <on> photography. <laughs> what <laughs> how do they <I> do that
0: <laughs> yeah well you' you're doing a
2: great job and thank so, you um,
0: I really appreciate your time and, and can you just tell uh, the f- the three people who are listening to this show who don't know your <laughs> podcast can you tell them where we can find uh you on the uh, in the world yeah
2: they can go to the and everything there my own photography the show uh, is is available there. Um, they can download the podcast anywhere they listen to podcasts. I do have a app, which is available for both Apple, iOS, and Android, which will give you access to every episode. It's, I think 5, 570 or 580. I I lose track. Stop uh, counting, right? Yeah, I stop <laughs> counting. But it, the app is great because you can go back all the way to episode one, uh, bookmark it, choose your favorites, because um, some of the podcast apps out there don't provide all of them for whatever right, reason. Right, yeah. So, this is just a, a good way of being able to, to, to access the entire catalog.
0: Great. And I also want to add that you've written a lot of ebooks about photography. Of the nine stories about nine photos mm-hmm. on, your, uh, on your website, I, I bought both of those. Um, it was great to read. Oh, thank you. And I encourage people to uh, go to your site and uh, pick up your eBooks, especially because I love the way you talk about the process of making pictures. It's not just, I mean, it's something I like to tell students, like you don't just go out with a camera. It's like going out with intentions. just sort of like when you started the beginning of the show, have intention and, and uh, really think about what you're doing and, and spend time. So uh, Barry and X, it's been a pleasure to have you uh, on the show a great way to spend the best way i could spend a saturday morning actually
2: absolutely well thank you guys for having me i really enjoyed talking about both of you
0: great so have All a great right. day
1: okay see ya yeah.